0: Hello and welcome to Fast Charge episode 73, I think, which feels like a very big number. Uh, I am your host, Dom. I'm joined this week by Toddy, but not Lewis. Lewis is on holiday. I'm quite jealous, in all honesty. Uh, ably stepping in, in all respects but the full beard, we have Hannah I joining to the episode one. this week. I tried to <laughs> grow one, but
1: not
0: Just that too time. short notice, that's <laughs> yeah, all it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we only roped Hannah in this morning, so she really didn't have much of a head start on the uh, on the facial hair. Uh, we have a full show for you this week. We are going to start off with not a phone, which is a bit of a break in tradition for us, but we really wanted to talk about the Nintendo Switch OLED model, which is a mobile device. It's a mobile it's a product, thing for sure. you carry around <laughs> with you, and all of the enhancements Nintendo have put in pretty much are for the carrying it around as a portable. Sort of use case. Uh, So we are going to talk about the Switch OLED, and I know that's been a bit of a divisive update for the Switch, so we're going to go back and forth on that a little bit. Then we are going to turn to all things OnePlus. Uh, We are going to talk, of course, about the OnePlus Nord 2, which has just been officially confirmed to be on the way. We have a couple specific details we can talk about there. Also, we're just going to talk about other OnePlus stuff, because they've been in the news a lot this week. Uh, there's the ColorOS merger, there's changes to their update promise, uh, there was a OnePlus tablet name leak, uh, and then there was this controversy over how they are throttling app performance on the OnePlus 9 series, and whether they're using that to try and game benchmarks or not. So we're going to go through all of that
2: we try and go a week without talking about OnePlus and they just
0: won't let us they just they co- are always got like more to give adamant out. that they want to be in the headlines <laughs> <clears throat> i think we get a break next week i think next week can be a Phew. OnePlus free week
1: oh no don't because jinx then... it
0: well because <laughs> then the week the week after is the Nord 2 launch as we'll get to so then i can promise you in 2 weeks we're back on our our OnePlus nonsense but uh maybe we'll we'll take a break next week uh final topic for today will be the Xperia 1 Mark 3 this year's Sony flagship Toddy has one in or around his hands. There we go. Uh, this is the flagship phone that Sony actually announced in April. Yeah, uh, It's now coming out in August. So they've managed a good four or five month gap. We're kind of right in the middle of that. We now have the phone. So Tolly is gonna to give us his first hands on thoughts. He's had the phone for a day or two. So this isn't a full proper detailed review, but we're gonna chat through what we think about it so far and bounce a little bit off some of the other reviews that have been published by other publications and what they found with the phone. Before that, little bits and pieces from the week that was. First up, we have finally the news of what the kind of next and maybe final realme gt phone is for this year you may remember that ages ago realme kind of announced it the gt range would have both a i think they used the phrase performance flagship but also a camera flagship and it wasn't really clear what they meant by that uh we'd now think we know because we have a leaks about a phone called the realme gt master edition which is a hell of a name uh, and most excitingly supposedly this is going to form a camera partnership with wait for it, Kodak, which is really out there. I'm very surprised <laughs> with this. of all the camera companies I thought I thought might get into the uh, smartphone game, Kodak was not it. Uh, I'm actually I've got a lot of affection for Kodak, but that's because I mostly buy kodak 35 mm film for my <laughs> like film camera. Um, I don't really think of kodak as a you know modern day 2021 digital camera powerhouse. Uh, obviously, they are still in the camera game, but yeah, I'm very curious about that. I I don't see this as an obvious win.
2: I, I have reservations about Kodak as a brand only because uh, when they did launch, they launched a smartphone back in 2015 that did, I think, pretty much terribly called the Extra. Um, but I was at the pre-brief in London and at the time a fellow journalist, I know, was when hoverboards were all the rage and I hadn't had a go <laughs> one. I was like, can I have a go? He was like, of course. Got on it, fine. Had a, a roll around the venue. Wasn't too hard to get off. Tried to jump off. Didn't really work. The thing went full speed forward. I went full speed backwards, landed on my elbow. And I thought, oh, that hurt. And then as I left the venue, it started to really hurt. And I ended up going to A&E immediately. And uh, here's the before, if you can see. But there's me on the... Uh...
0: Oh, yeah. And then there's my... I had a radial Ooh. head
2: fracture. And there's me with a sling within a matter of hours uh so that was a fun time so that's all I really remember about the extra I, that I also has to shot be an...
1: the juiciest story we've had on this like, <laughs> this is not the turn that I thought it was going no exactly to.
2: the phone actually was you know it was an interesting idea but um for like funnily enough my mind was not really on the phone at the time or afterwards and once the, like the device came in like a few weeks later I was like I don't know if I want to be the one to do the hands-on for this even (laughs) though I went to the pre-brief because I was still, I think I was still in a sling by that point as well. So yeah. I hate
1: code out. They made me me (laughs) break my
2: arm. (laughs) No fault of them. But just that's how I feel towards the brand now despite their their, uh, mobile efforts. But yeah, still an interesting partnership with regards to Realme.
0: I mean, uh, everyone look out for the Fast Charge episode in five weeks' time where Toddy gives his hands-on impressions of the Realme GT Master Edition with his other arm in a yeah. sling, because some other hapless incident has taken place. Some sort of ancient a a curse film. related to me
2: and <laughs> Kodak, I guess. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, Kodak phone. Little bit of a surprise, but yeah, we'll see. It may be nonsense, it may not happen after all, but keep an eye out for that. Uh, second up, Samsung. There's been loads of Samsung leaks this week. Again, I don't want to dwell on it because we do talk about Samsung a lot, and there oh, a lot of Samsung leaks all the time. Um, the interesting one this week is that there have been a couple of Korean publications that have cited Samsung executives saying that the next Galaxy Unpacked is on August 11th. So... We have reputable sources saying Samsung have told them it's August 11th. Weirdly enough, Samsung haven't yet said it's August 11th on their public channels. So you still have to take this with like the tiniest pinch of salt. But it now looks kind of 95% certain. that Galaxy Unpacked, August 11th. And that should be when we see the Z Fold 3, the Z Flip 3, the new Galaxy Watches, the Galaxy Buds 2. And even according to one of these uh, reports, I think the Korea Herald said that we're also going to see a Galaxy Z Flip 3 Lite. Which is news to us. That was kind of the first anyone who really heard of this through through the leak process, other than some mention months ago about a cheap foldable that never seemed to materialize. But maybe it is there, and this is the one product Samsung has managed to almost keep under wraps. Um we will see. Next launch is Almost, it was even further away, and it's curious how far away this is. This week, an HMD Global executive, they are a company that makes Nokia phones now, uh, they announced that they will be launching a Nokia flagship this year on November 11th. Uh, This is a China-specific launch because November 11th is Singles Day in China. Uh, so it does make sense. That's kind of the equivalent of, I don't know, launching a phone on Black Friday or something. It's a huge sales event in the Chinese market. Uh, it is still really weird that they have announced this a good four months early or, or however far off that is. This is a long lead up for a Nokia phone. Uh, this is probably going to be the Nokia X70 or something like that. You may remember they've changed naming conventions. It's now Nokia X things and Nokia G, G10s G and X10s. Uh, there's an X50 that's been leaked a bit. And then I think the X70 is what we think this Flagship, flagship might be. Uh, the weirdest little rumor about this was one that popped up the other week, which is that Nokia might be throwing Harmony OS on some of its phones in China, i.e., the Huawei operating system. Uh, both Huawei and Nokia pretty quickly denied that claim, <laughs> but you never know. Companies deny things all the time; they're actually true, and they're just not ready to announce it. The fact that they've announced a China-specific launch. Is again that kind of unusual for Nokia. They're a European first company normally, um, so slightly funny move. But maybe maybe this is sort of lining up, and we are seeing a harmony Nokia phone. We'll find out in months and months and months and months. Uh, coming sooner than that, the Nothing Ear One headphones. We've spoken about these before. We now know or have known for a little while that they are coming on July twenty seventh. We have had a few more details this week. Chiefly among them that they will have active noise cancellation. And they will retail for the princely sum of £99 or dollars or euros. Um, How do you
2: guys which, feel about that price point?
0: This is exactly where I expected these to land. Really? If I, I, I almost wish I'd put money down on it. I was saying to someone just the other week that the price point they're going to hit is around 100. What, was um, your, what gave you the inkling that that was where they were going to go with it? I figured the line they would take, honestly, is kind of similar to the line OnePlus takes because obviously <laughs> this is from Carl Pei, and I kind of figured what they would essentially be trying to do is slightly undercut the AirPods yeah. and the Galaxy Buds around the same price uh, while offering some sort of feature that they don't. And we have seen other companies offer ANC headphones around the £100 line. And so, yes, the, this being ANC at £100 lines up pretty much exactly with where where I thought they'd fall.
1: Yeah, I think I think it makes sense in terms of their brand, because it's like, like you say, they have caused a bit of a stir already, but like they're not quite on like, well, but obviously not like Apple or Samsung level. So it, mm. it makes I think the price point probably does make sense.
0: They've still got to prove themselves. And it's in that space where they've got to prove themselves. They can't drop a three hundred dollar pair of headphones uh, straight out the gate and say, like, hey, we're competing with the, the flagship you know, Sony's or Bose or whatever. Equally, they don't, I assume, the vibe so far hasn't been that they want to be seen as a cheap brand. So they're not going to launch with a £30 pair of headphones that go straight at the budget end of the market. This is that kind of space where it's right in the mid-range of the market. They can position it as a bit premium, but good value premium kind of kind of space. Um, the only thing that throws me about this is I'm now not sure what they've got left to announce. Because <laughs> we're going to see the design on the launch day, unless we see it all before. We already know it's going to be transparent. They've already confirmed that as well. Uh, We've got to see the actual design and I guess the actual release date. But really the core things people want to know about headphones is how much they cost. And I think ANC is like one of the clear big features you want to know about. Um, It feels like they've already just given out the biggest headline news about the product. So I'm a bit curious if they've got something equally exciting up their sleeve that they're waiting for, or if this is kind of it and it's going to be that risk of the... The same thing that kind of happens with OnePlus sometimes, where launch day comes and it's a bit of a, like, yeah, because we already knew it all. Um, so we'll see. Final bit of news, and then we'll get onto the Switch. Um, this is a big one, actually. In the US, Google is at the receiving end of a lawsuit from 36 of the US states, um, accusing it of, sort of basically bad monopolistic practices with the Play Store on Android. Um, this obviously is going to end up sitting in a similar space to the Epic versus Apple lawsuit that's winged its way through the courts, which is essentially alleging similar things about how Apple handles the Apple App Store. Um, The allegations here are basically that Google has, through the Play Store, has over 90% of the American Android marketplace and that none of the competitor app stores are even 5%. You know, they're all just squabbling over tiny bits. Um, And that Google has quite aggressive contracts that it signs with manufacturers or phones to stop them building really competitive app stores of their own. Um, And the interesting bit of this is also that uh, the lawsuit alleges that Google is sort of overly aggressive in discouraging sideloading and that it kind of over eggs the risks involved in sideloading apps to try and keep consumers locked into the play store. Um, That I find a funny one. Because sideloading is quite risky. If you have a trustworthy source of an app, great, absolutely fine. But um, there are a lot of dodgy APKs and there aren't clear, easy like online ways to get hold of them that are super trustworthy in the same way that there often are for uh you know for, for pc apps or something like that yeah it's just um, some
1: guy on reddit being like trust me and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but then i suppose maybe that's part of the problem that we have built into the idea that when you want spotify on your android phone you go into the play store and download it rather than going to spotify.com and hitting the you know download for android button on the spotify website like you might on your windows pc mm-hmm. um so yeah, interesting. We are seeing this like ongoing challenge to the way that the app marketplaces are built on phones, even though that has been very entrenched for a decade now. Um, but two, now, now a second lawsuit that might shake that up and have pretty big repercussions depending on which way it lands. Okay, let's leave phones for a little bit and turn to Nintendo, one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. <laughs> uh, this week, Nintendo unveiled the I'm going to give it its proper title. The Nintendo Switch, open brackets, OLED model, close brackets. Oh, thank you for the brackets oh. as well. That's very important. <laughs> <laughs> this is honestly, I, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about this this OLED model. The, the name is my least favorite thing about yeah. it. Yeah. I do not understand why it's called the OLED model. I don't understand why there are brackets around OLED model. Uh, I don't understand why Model is in the name. Even just Nintendo Switch OLED would be better I mean, than fine. Nintendo yeah. Switch OLED Model, where Model is a lowercase M rather than uppercase, <laughs> just to, like, add insult to injury for copy editors everywhere. It's um, like they are
2: so embarrassed about this product. Like,
0: they're trying to, like, <laughs> even
2: hide the new features in the name because yeah, so, know It's, it's very strange.
1: Someone was saying uh, people who work in stores, like, this is a nightmare for them, you know, for, like, merchandising and stuff. Like, it's, it's not it's sexy. Be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh. Yeah.
2: This is the reason that Apple uh, retained the word Bionic on its chipsets because it, it, from a marketing perspective, it just rung better with consumers. Apparently, so that's why Bionic nah. is kind of endured. We we had a few other words in the past, but they've kind of stuck mm. with Bionic since they've gone with the AI core in there as well. And like that's exactly what Nintendo should have done here. I think I tweeted about like you know just something related to displays and viewing things in a fun way. Mm. It's not well. Hi. I'm honestly
0: surprised they didn't do what they did with the uh, the 3ds and 2ds line, which just slapped new on the beginning. I mean, you know, we had several oof. new 3ds and new 2ds, and I didn't love that naming convention, but it worked for them pretty well. So I'm kind of surprised this isn't just the the new Nintendo Switch.
2: I mean, they can still save that for if they do do. But we haven't got through yeah, the we, rest of the we specs yet. Yeah, we yes. we so got let's get to it. that. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: The Nintendo Switch r model, I think the the main reason this is controversial is because of, not because of what it is, but because of what it isn't. Um, So what it is is an updated version of the original Switch. Curiously, the original Switch is staying on sale. So it's not replacing it. It is officially alongside it in what Nintendo calls the Switch family. Um, I suspect the original Switch is not actually long for this world, but we'll see. Um, It is almost exactly the same in terms of the look. Um, It's Almost exactly the same size. It fits the same Joy-Con controllers and all of that. Um, The screen is bigger. It's gone from 6.2 inches to 7 inches. But that's not by making the body of the console larger. I mean, it's fraction. It's, I think, 0.1 inches longer. Um, But the main thing is just they slimmed down the bezel to fit a bigger screen in the same space. The screen is oled in case you couldn't have from the name uh, <laughs> if it wasn't it would be the wildest yeah, name ever <laughs> that would be incredible um, it is still 720p is i think the big headline thing there they haven't bumped the resolution up on the display uh and then otherwise that, that is really the change otherwise what we've got is a string of quality and life improvements dotted around the rest of the console so the admittedly very meager 32 gigabytes of internal storage on the original is now a slightly less meager 64 gigabytes um, but I think many people are still going to need a micro SD card anyway because mm-hmm. um, 64, meg- uh, 64 gigs, sorry is still not a lot once you factor in game sizes um, the, Maybe the biggest change in a way is actually the kickstand That terrible, terrible flimsy plastic kickstand on the Switch has been upgraded It now runs all the way across the back uh, yeah, anyone on YouTube can see how awful the original Switch kickstand is there from from toddies. Uh Now it runs all the way across the back of the device, so it's much bigger, it's much sturdier, and it's adjustable, so it can hit a few different angles. Um, there are white Joy-Con. There are there is a white dock now instead of a black dock, or you get the choice. Um, and the dock now includes a LAN port for wired internet, which really it should have all along. So it, it feels is like twenty twenty one. Of those 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there is uh, a lamp port there. And I think the last uh, feature is just what Nintendo calls enhanced audio. Um, which awesome. means the speakers are a bit better. Uh, they, they were already stereo, so they're just still stereo speakers. Nintendo hasn't even said how it's been enhanced. It just says enhanced audio. So mm-hmm. in some way, the audio is better. Um, the big thing there, the, you know, this is maybe my biggest bugbear with this console, is they haven't enhanced Bluetooth audio by, say, Providing Bluetooth audio. <laughs> um, so, you still cannot use this with Bluetooth headphones. If you want to listen to headphones, Crazy. you are going to have to use wired headphones with a 3.5mm jack or buy one of these sort of aftermarket like Bluetooth adapters that plugs into the jack and then beams Bluetooth to your headphones. But that's like an extra thing you've got to keep charged and worry about losing and pay for. Um, oh
2: did nintendo ever address with the original switch surely they faced criticism then like did they ever say that oh it's because the joy cons rely on bluetooth i don't i don't
0: don't know i don't know if they ever actually explained it i mean so yeah for reference the joy con do rely on bluetooth that's how they communicate so i think everyone has just assumed basically that that is the issue that they can't simultaneously do the the joy con bluetooth and headphone bluetooth i don't know if nintendo's outright said that is it but, but yeah the joy cons are bluetooth um, I am, my, my guess is they could probably technically, I can't see any reason they couldn't make it work when you're playing with the Joy-Cons attached to the screen but my guess is they can't figure out how to make it work when the Joy-Cons are using the Bluetooth connection mm. and they thought it would be too user unfriendly for your Bluetooth to just drop every time you disconnect a Joy-Con and that people wouldn't really understand that was going yeah. on or why that was going on and it would maybe cleaner to just be like there's no Bluetooth Yeah, yeah. I think
1: what and you, I think you tweeted about this, Dom. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense in my head. Is that the things that they've improved are for handheld play, mainly, which I yes. feel other, like other
0: than the land port, it's pretty the much port, all handheld. It's pretty yeah. much
1: all handheld. And now, hang on, I've got my switch light.
2: Yeah. yeah, you're the resident switch light owner, aren't you? Yeah, I yeah. am. Oh, it's and the green it's one. Like
1: nice. This, the, the whole reason I bought this was because I was looking for a handheld. Console, it's cheaper and it makes yep. much more sense. It's smaller. Da, 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 da. I I just don't, I can't see there being much of an audience for people who are looking for a handheld console with a slightly better screen, and better stand capabilities than what the main one already offers. If, for me, if I was going to be paying more for a Switch, I would want the capabilities to improve on the big screen, like
0: yeah. I... And honestly, that that is what a lot of people hoped for. The the, you know, we've got to address the fact that there had been extensive rumours that we'd been reporting on, along with everyone else, that Nintendo was working on a Switch Pro. and um, it's been sourced by you know reputable publications like Bloomberg had been you know talking to industry execs and, and manufacturing companies, and it seemed pretty concrete that Nintendo was working on a Switch Pro and that it would have um, an improved chipset inside, which this one doesn't. All the internals, the CPU, GPU, RAM, exactly the same. Um. The expectation was there was one with an improved chipset coming and that importantly, it would support 4K, not on the handheld mode. No one thought there was going to be a 4K screen on it, um, but that it would support 4K output to a TV, which makes a lot of sense because I think I don't know the figures, but a lot of people have 4K TVs now. That's obviously a huge sort of growing space. Um, it's obviously a you know big part of what the current crop of home consoles are built towards is, you know, delivering 4k power um so it is odd that this focuses on on the handheld mode uh, rather than that home space a lot of people have pointed out that it is unusual for nintendo to do a sort of huge hardware refresh that really enhances the power of a console and that if anything if you look at their track record <laughs> for console yeah. updates yeah. this fits exactly in the line of what nintendo does and a switch pro would be a massive outlier because what nintendo does is it takes you know takes its hardware and it keeps the internals the same for as long as it can and just changes form factor changes design changes buttons things like the 3ds it dropped the 3d because it realized that wasn't what was selling it just kind of slowly optimizes its hardware around what people want and what is driving sales but without actually improving performance until it does the next big generational leap and you know that would be the switch two or whatever yeah um so in a way, you know, maybe we should have all known this was this was what they had up their sleeves or something like it.
1: I think it's because um, the extent of the leaks that the, the the leaks, I guess I should say now, like, that yeah. came out um, from, like you say, reputable sources, um, which makes people think that there is still a Switch Pro on the way, and that this yeah. this model is going to replace the current Switch eventually, um, and that's why there's not. A massive price
0: difference and yeah so certainly on this replacing the switch i think that feels inevitable i i wouldn't go so far as to say nintendo is going to stop making the base switch mm. like now and just sell out its remaining stock i that again if you look at their track record that's probably not how they're going to go probably what we'll see is a, a price cut it, it, launching this and we haven't actually said but it launches in october um launching this in october Positions them neatly to then in November cut the price on the regular switch mm-hmm. and maybe the switch light Not drastically because they're still selling a lot But maybe if they just want to shave $20 off or something ahead of Christmas um, And at that point I, I would get it a bit more because I think what I struggle with here is how similar This OLED model is to the base model yeah. And that it, it, I guess the way it is is if you're buying a new switch you now shouldn't buy the regular one. Like it's a no-brainer to either buy the light if you want to save money, or buy the OLED model, because yeah. you're just the little improvements you get are enough to justify. What price hike wise is the biggest price hike actually is Europe, where it's a, a seventy euro gap between the two, and um, but in the states it's fifty dollars, and in, in the UK actually it's only a thirty pound gap. Yeah. Uh, to get these quality of life Easy. improvements and a much bigger display, you which think, is uh, absolute no-brainer.
1: Well, it's probably because of the timing of when it's coming out, like you say, there's obviously Black Friday and all that, but thinking ahead for Christmas, if there's like parents coming into a game store, it's so easy for somebody to upsell the other one um, and push them towards it. But especially if you don't really like, you like yeah, you don't really know you know, you can make the differences sound a lot better than what they actually are, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, you know, and like, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds good. It's only this much more, I'll go for that. Um, whereas you're not really getting much performance, well, you're not getting a performance
2: No,
0: performance. no <laughs> Yeah, you <yeah>. no. <laughs>
1: not getting much, you're not getting one. Um, But yeah, yeah.
2: In terms of the the changing of the guards, I do wonder how long they'll keep the LCD switch around when the oled hits the market because right now it's selling it's actually selling better than it ever has i think mm. month-on-month units i just had a quick like google uh it's actually had its like best month ever globally
1: like yeah. it was yeah. out of stock during a lot of last year of course it, i mean because... obviously
2: lockdown you know was was the perfect catalyst for sales to just keep going up for nintendo um yeah, but yeah i i would almost imagine I, I don't know what the price point is do you remember the price point for the switch Lite, hannah Oh. Don't worry. Anyway, yeah, I, okay. I imagine that just under two hundred.
1: I think. I think it's right. just under 200
2: Which is where I was expecting. Yeah, I reckon they'll keep the Switch LCD around, uh, maybe even push it as like you know newly discounted for a yeah. little bit, at least until the end of 2021, maybe, mm. um, until they go all in on the OLED and then leave the yeah. kind of path clear for the the next model, whatever that is. Hopefully with the 4K DLSS and all that
0: stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think you touched on on what confuses me about this release strategy, which is that the Switch has just had its best sales month ever. (laughs) And the Switch is selling incredibly. And what's funny is, you know, the way Nintendo does these hardware revisions, these ones that are just a tiny, tiny tweak, tiny refinement, is they make sense when your sales are beginning to decline and you just want to refresh your core products so that it just gets that little bump that people are like, oh, there's a new model. Cool. You know, the people who are on the fence see that the hardware's been upgraded. There's these new features improvements be made. There's a new wave of reviews and coverage that talk about how great the console is. Right now, they don't need to do that because they're selling so many of the original Switch. There's no need for a new model that's around the same point. What I could see argument for them releasing now is something to tempt upgrades, to essentially get second sales out of Switch owners. say so you bought the Switch four years ago, but doesn't that feel really old and rubbish now? Don't you want to drop another $300, $350? To buy this upgraded Super Switch that, you know, has all the does all these things your Switch can't. You've got the old rubbish. It's, you know, the PS4, PS4 Pro. It the PS4 Pro was about making PS4 owners buy the PS4 again. (laughs) And that feels to me like where Nintendo should be right now, which is they have the cheap ones to get the people who haven't bought ones yet. And then bring in something that will entice upgrades. But I don't see I can only see a small minority of people going for the upgrade here because well, there's so little in it
2: it is it's interesting that you use the ps4 to ps4 pro as the, i'd say it's the ps4 slim is like even though they have the switch Lite, which is all, also that demographic this also is you know it's just a pain point thing really it's just looking at the physical pain more it's arguably more than anything else well,
0: well that's exactly what i mean though i guess this is like a ps4 slim Whereas what Nintendo needs right now is a PS4 oh, Pro. sure, yeah. sure. Because the PS4 Slim, you know the, you know, the Slim and the Pro came in together. And the point of them was, the Slim is the one that's there to win over play people who've never, who haven't got the PS4 yes. yet. Mm-hmm. And say, you've been on the fence for a while, but hey, look, we've made it slimmer. We've made it better. We've, like, streamlined it, cut the price a little bit or something, or tweaked the price. You know, now, now you want to buy a PS4, don't you? Whereas the Pro was there to say, you own a PS4... Don't you want another one? A better one, a shinier one. <laughs> yeah.
1: When you and like saying... Nintendo
0: doesn't need the light yet. It doesn't need the PS4 Slim because the Switch is still selling absurd quantities.
1: When you were just saying about um the timing of this being weird, I also just think the whole way it was announced was really weird. Like it was just like cause they had um they had a direct a few weeks ago and I know that was focusing on software, but it just it was just this random trailer that dropped in the middle yeah. of the day. A really long trailer, might I add, for what it because it kept going and going, and I kept mm. thinking, is there going to be more announcements here? It sort of finished, and I was like... Mm. And it had some really weird parts. Like, it had a guy sitting down to play, I think, Pokemon in his hallway. In his
0: hallway. Yeah. yeah. Got <laughs> home from a long day of work, I would just sit immediately inside my door and stop playing video It looked like he had a really a nice again.
1: house, and it's like, you know, <laughs> you could go anywhere. And he's just there like, ah, yes, I'm going to sit down here. And it's like... It was just really I, odd.
2: I always find it interesting... The people Nintendo puts into its hardware ads because it's almost yes. never children, unless no. it's like the Wii and it's a family scene. It's almost never children, and it's not even often teenagers. It's usually like early twenty somethings to maybe thirty somethings at a push. Yeah, uh, and that you know that was adamantly true, like in this particular trailer as well. And I think that that kind of reflects well, it, where it, they're it, thinking people like, who who might buy it is the older, yeah, with the expendable it, it, income
0: it harks back to the original Switch trailer, which got, you know, mean for the same reason, but it showed people playing the Switch, like people in their 20s gathering around to play the Switch at a trendy looking rooftop party, (laughs) you know? And it was like, oh, okay, no one has ever gone to a rooftop party and like brought the Switch out to play Mario (laughs) Kart. But equally, that's who they're courting. They are courting like people in their 20s and 30s and at least least that's what they want the the image to be, totally. Um, I I will say, Anna, to your point about the, the timing, I think that is one of the few things here they did get right for me which is to say i think it's fair to say there's been mixed reactions to this i know some people are keen on it i know actually to be fair already pre-orders have been selling out places so clearly are people keen on this um, but a lot of people have been very disappointed by the reveal because they were expecting a bigger upgrade they're expecting a pro model um if they had dropped this during e3 it would have been catastrophic because yeah. that reaction would have been okay. amplified tenfold yeah. it would have been the only thing people talked about out of their e3 direct it would have been Nintendo's worst E3 in years. It, everyone would have ignored the Metroid news. They would have ignored the Zelda trailer because everyone would have just been talking about how rubbish the Switch OLED looks. Why isn't there a Switch Pro? I think they knew... They must hope this is going to be a success or expect it to be a success. They wouldn't release it if they didn't. But they must have known that the fan reaction wasn't going to be in their favour. Mm-hmm. And I think they that's why they just you know, quietly dropped it a month after E3. Because they knew this wasn't... They didn't want to hype it up. They didn't want to court fans because if anything, the hype has been their problem, right? And the hype's outside of their control because it has come from leaks and and independent reports. Um, but that is what's like crippled this announcement for them. Is everyone was hyped for a thing that was never coming, yeah. or at least yeah. never coming this year? You know, maybe it is next year, but, but you know that wasn't what they were going to announce. But at E3, that is what everyone would have been expecting, and it just would have killed all of their E3 hype around everything else they wanted to to launch there. Yeah. I think.
1: One final yeah. thing, do you like
0: the color? I do. The color is my favorite, maybe my favorite thing about it, actually. I, I do. Um, everyone, you know, a lot of people know I, I am a, a Joy-Con obsessive, and I do have a, a cripplingly expensive collection of Joy-Cons in, in <laughs> almost every color, including I have the Zelda Skyward Sword ones uh, pre-ordered on the nice. way. Do you have the Mario um,
2: Odyssey red ones?
0: I have the Mario red. Yes, nice. yeah, that's hard to get hold of. I got them in Japan. Uh, you can get them here now but I got them in Japan at a time when you couldn't get them here I just got lucky I went to the um, New York store for a friend and they didn't have them it's,
1: like,
0: the, it's oh. the Animal Crossing ones for me I love yeah, them nice. uh, <laughs> so. the Animal Crossing ones look lovely I
2: Nintendo, wish Nintendo how um, do they do it Nintendo what yeah. are you doing <laughs>
0: But, um, but yeah, I, I see those white Joy-Con and I'm like, oh, if they sell those independently, I am going to drop another 70 quid on a pair of Joy-Con <laughs> I do not need. I,
1: think it's I told what... myself
0: I'd stop at eight when I had four <laughs> pairs. And I think the Skyward Soul ones take me to five pairs. Soaking like a tree. Um, <laughs> I kind of justified that because my initial pair, my neon red and blue, have a bit of drift. Uh, and so I'm like, well, you know, they're a do bit dodgy do? anyway. So I might as well have another one to take me to four working pairs. <laughs> yeah. But, I, th- you know. I
1: think one thing on the colour options that made me think that this is probably going to eventually phase out the original one is that they've kept the red and blue because yeah, fir- at, like, at first Very I was telling. like, why aren't they giving us like a nice bright colour for the pro model, like the refraid and then I was like, oh wait, no, they- they've kept the original one, so they've only yes. given another option and that's why
0: they're doing yeah, it Yeah, so for context, there's basically two versions you can buy, one has white controllers and a white dock and does look like that kind of pro colour scheme, Um but the other one has a black dock. It is the new dock with a lampor, but it's black like the original Switch dock and has the same uh, red and blue colors as the original Switch came with. Which again does, like Hannah says, feel like that's positioning it so that they can take that first Switch off the shelves at some point and have the new one like ready to exactly fill its spot in yeah. the lineup.
2: I don't know what it is why the white on black just looks so tempting but like in the same breath as everyone was kind of slagging it off on twitter i saw so many of those same people also go but that new paint job i really like it and it's basically the same trick that sony pulled with the playstation 5 like not everyone loved the white and black two-tone but if you like it people seem to have quite a strong emotional reaction to it and i think they nintendos are the same here um And looping back around to the the conversation of of who would upgrade to this, um, there's obviously those fans who are just, doesn't really matter what Nintendo pushes out, they'll buy it, like the diehards, obviously. Um, There's also the the small contingent i mean yes i mean small but this is small within millions and millions of units let's remember mm-hmm. so it's still a lot of people who bought the original switch when it launched and there was that interim upgrade which is just a bigger battery or better battery life mm-hmm. which yep. they didn't like do a big announcement about it but everyone found out about it and you know for instance this is an og switch so if i was using it in handheld mode on the daily you know back when we were commuting and i wasn't satisfied With the battery life and i still hadn't upgraded but i was toying with it this is you know this is the perfect time this is the perfect product to make that jump
0: yeah i see that it actually is one thing i was fascinated they didn't talk about is battery life because traditionally you would think an oled screen can deliver battery savings and you know a lot of phones it can help with power efficiency uh, because of the way it handles blacks um i do find it interesting they haven't said this has better battery life because when I saw it was OLED, I was kind of expecting them to then be like, We've got an extra hour battery out of it, yeah. Through that change, it is a bigger screen which will cut cut against it, and maybe that's just evened out. Was it not the, the switch 6 to OLED? Six evened out by bigger?
2: the big size,
0: is it a 6.2, or six, 6.2 up to seven inch, right? Um, but yeah, so they haven't spoken about battery life, so that's one thing I'm very curious to see mm. is if it um is the same as the original or matches that slightly improved version. It certainly, I can't imagine it being better than the improved battery life switch. Because if it was, they would be talking about it. Well, yeah. it's like, may- um,
1: maybe it is, but it's like 10 minutes better. So they were like, I yeah. we can't put that in, <laughs> in the yeah. trailer because it just yeah. sounds like we're like grasping at straws. But, they
0: also okay. may not want to dwell on it because it is still either way, whichever way you cut it, battery life is one of the switch's uh, weak points. And yeah. even that improved battery version, it's still, you know, it went from three hours to four hours or something, which, you know, when we think about phones that can last. You know a day and a half um it's still pretty embarrassing that that's kind of the level they're at um there are obviously factors that go in there but it's still i think confusing i think to to uh consumers that the battery life on it can be so bad compared to other handheld tech they have
1: oh yeah i mean the amount of times i've been on animal crossing and then it's been like battery life low and i'm like already <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I've noticed I've been, I've been revisiting my um, new 2DS because I'm, I'm going back and playing some old Metroid games. Nice. And I keep thinking about the battery life and worrying about it and then like reminding myself, no, this has more than three hours of battery. I don't need stylish. to put it down to charge every time I finish playing. Um, anyway, let's move on. We've spent half an hour talking about the Switch, and we are a phone <laughs> show, so we should we should talk about phones every now and then. Um, so let's turn to OnePlus, because actually we have so many bits of OnePlus stuff to, to go through this week, so we really do need to get started. Um, let's start, I guess, with the big announcement from OnePlus, which has come over the last two days. Which is that the OnePlus Nord 2 is officially on the way. Um, and in fact, today Pete Lau announced in a blog post that it is going to launch on July 22nd. So that is two weeks from today, as we're putting the show up. Uh, so two weeks to go till we get the Nord 2. Um, we know a few things about the Nord 2. Um, Basically, they they announced yesterday that we'll be running a MediaTek Dimensity 1200 AI chip, which is a slightly customised version of the Dimensity 1200 that, wait for it, has enhanced AI capabilities. Um, It's probably not a game changer. They talked about things that actually we've seen in a lot of other phones anyway. um, Things like AI scene recognition in the camera app. Or the fact that it will be able to sort of use AI to try and bump video up to HD and into HDR, uh, even if it's not originally in in that form. Um, So these are the kind of things we've seen AI used for in a lot of other phones. um, And they're just kind of making the point that they've bumped up those capabilities a little bit on this chip. Um, So we know it's got that. And the only other concrete thing I think we have officially is that it's going to launch in Europe and India, uh, which the, you know, sort of reading between the lines there means not North America.
2: This the, the chip thing, like, it feels like I'm not sure which way around it would have gone. Do you think MediaTek approached OnePlus or do you think OnePlus went to MediaTek and not, were like, we've seen what you've been doing with, like, you know, with, with like, uh, that Xiaomi's been doing with Qualcomm and having all these, like, exclusive chip launches or being the first to introduce a new chip. We want that. Can you make us a variant of the 1200? Like, is that the conversation? And also, why do people care enough about the AI and scene recognition being a bit faster when you're trying to take a picture of a cat? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I mean... (laughs) there's a few things there isn't there i mean to play devil's advocate the the conversation probably didn't even come from OnePlus per se and that it probably came from bbk as a whole and we've had all these you know one of the leaks ahead of time about the nord 2 not not confirmed at all is that it is actually a variant of i think the realme x7 or x7 pro or something pro
2: i think is it yeah Um, yeah
0: and and that it's just going to be the Western name essentially for the Realme X7 Pro, and that they are the same phone. Um, we don't know that for sure. We're still waiting to find out more about what's in in, in this phone. Um, as to the custom element, I yeah, I have to look at it and just think it's a PR stunt, right? It's just yeah. another way to get news coverage, to get people to write that story. So it's not just OnePlus announces chipset; it's OnePlus announces custom chipset. Like it's their own, it's special. It get, generates a bit of extra media like coverage, but also makes people feel like they're getting something cool and unique here. Even if really it's, I don't know, just that they've, you know, outclocked the machine learning core by 0.1 gigahertz or something.
2: Even if it was using the standard Dimensity 1200, that is, I think, the best chip media puts in phones at
0: present. Yeah, it so this is the MediaTek flagship. Yeah. yeah,
2: so it's 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 you know it's a si- it's a sizable step up from what was a really top end mid range chip from Qualcomm last year in the original Nord. So yeah, I, even if I don't think they needed to go out of their way to be like, oh, it's got this extra special AI bit. Like, twelve hundred is no. a solid, I think, upgrade,
0: if you will. And in a way, that's what I find funny about it is they haven't pushed that idea that this is a flagship chip because it is. And you know, last year, you said it was a seven six five G. In the original Nord which is what Qualcomm positions as a mid-range chip but this is what MediaTek positions as its flagship chip i mean it's worth saying it's not as powerful as the Snapdragon 888 so don't expect it to be on that level but it is kind of at the level of you know a Snapdragon 8 series from a year or two ago um which puts it above the, the 765G from last year um but yeah it's a funny one it's worth noting this is the first MediaTek chip uh, the OnePlus has ever used they've been Qualcomm for every phone so far so it is a big step for them um, but it probably just reflects the fact that MediaTek is becoming a bigger player they're becoming more competitive and we've seen obviously there is this chip sort of shortage across the industry and we know Qualcomm has been particularly badly hit by that so it could be as blunt as they couldn't get the chips they needed from Qualcomm they could get them from MediaTek mm. well just use MediaTek chips then we can get them yeah you know
1: It'll be... we've seen oh sorry go on
0: yeah I was just going to say we've seen other companies delay or cancel phones entirely because of chips, yeah. particularly Samsung. So you know it, 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 that is probably the innocuous explanation for this.
1: I was just going to say it's going to be interesting to see how this phone is received because they have set the bar very very high with the uh, with the previous phone and. Um, yeah, you know, you just got to, I think I think in a way, you make your life, you make your job harder, don't you? Because it's like you're trying to outdo it and there is only so far, with the rate that they release phones, there is only a certain amount that you can improve with by staying in the same price range.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, um, it's it's going to be interesting. You've got to see how much they can really step it up year on year to, to uh, win people over. And yeah, that first Nord was positioned so well in the marketplace. And, you know, well enough that I remember when I reviewed the... 8 series stuff last year, uh, when I reviewed the 8T it would have been last autumn you know, one of my concerns in reviewing the 8T was it looked bad value compared to the Nord because it was like, the Nord offers almost everything the 8T does and you know, there are only a couple upgrades in the 8T over the Nord, but for a $200 200 hundred pound price gap and I was kind of like, well, go for the Nord like it just, yeah. you know, for almost any buyer the Nord looked better than the 8T in, in my mind, um but yeah, you know, we've got to see a year on whether whether they can match that again. Um we've got to route through some more OnePlus stuff, because it just did so much this time. Um so this has been we I kinda of made that joke about the the BBK maybe making that call about the the chipset and about this, this realme partnership. It's partly because this is a week where we've seen an even tighter cl- uh, you know, merging between um Oppo and OnePlus. We've mentioned this before that they officially merged, that OnePlus is now essentially an an OPPO subsidiary. Um, What we've seen officially confirmed this week is that the code base for the two operating systems is going to merge. Uh, For anyone paying attention, this is not too surprising. We've spoken before that if if you buy a OnePlus phone in China, it comes with OPPO's ColorOS, not OnePlus's OxygenOS. And I think we've talked about the fact that if you download the Android 12 beta on a OnePlus phone, what you're going to get looks quite a lot like Color OS. And so it seems pretty clear that what they were building for Android 12 is coming from Color OS and then they're gonna slap the, the OxygenOS, you know, skin on top of it at the end once it's ready. And that's basically what they've said here is that the code base is emerging but it's about the underlying code and the OxygenOS won't change for users, but it will, you know, be different at its core. And the point of that, other than saving money, is that it helps them improve their update promise and fair play to them they have immediately followed through on that yeah um now offering what is still not an industry leading uh, upgrade promise but is one of the best around um which is that if you buy one plus flagship so that's the eight series the nine series the t phones even the r the 9r um and presumably the 9t if and when that arrives this year you will get three years of os upgrades and four years of security um, if you buy like the next tier down, which includes the old seven series flagships, but also the Nord, the Nord CE, and I'm presuming the Nord 2, you will get two OS updates and a third year of security. And then the bottom tier is the kind of N series, the N10, N100, N200. They're the rubbish ones. They get one OS update, which we already knew, and three years of security. So they haven't actually improved that promise at all. And it is still very poor uh, and pretty weak for the industry. But at the at the flagship and the mid-range level, like, now they're competitive again on updates in terms of what they're committed to. Um, speed is still going to be the question, though, because they've been very slow on updates in the past.
2: Yeah. Um, OnePlus doesn't have to worry too much about this because it doesn't have a lot of carrier partnerships, as far as I'm aware. But also, like, mm. that's always been a bottleneck for a lot of, of you know, even Samsung, who is yes. nowadays pretty solid they've had issues with with carrier updates especially in the us and i think in the us which is a big market for oneplus outside of india um they have a carrier partnership there with t-mobile and Mm. metro by t-mobile so remains to be seen whether that will be a bottleneck or not but a bit wary
0: in a way that's been what's so damning about oneplus's slow updates Mm -hmm. so far is normally the line is oh it's carriers fault (laughs) oneplus has only had like one carrier relationship in every market it's in pretty much um, maybe occasionally too. And so it's never been able to use that excuse for why it's slow at putting updates out. It can only really come down to the idea that they are a relatively small company in yeah. the grand scheme of phone manufacturers. Um, and adding to their phone lineup just worsened that because they had more, more hardware to support and the same team size to do it with. Um, we, I guess have to hope this, this will improve that Oppo is a bit faster on updates and, you know, bringing them together should just make everything more efficient. Um, it obviously, though, raises this specter we've spoken about before that they say now nothing's going to change Oxygen OS, but, you know, for how long? If they see the efficiency in merging them at this point, at what point do they see the efficiency in just having one OS yeah, one rather than the two team. OSs with the same code base? Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of wonder at what point they just say, eh, it's color OS on everything, deal with it.
2: Uh, I mean... It could just be a branding exercise at one point where OnePlus is the better brand, you know, in the mm. UK, for example, I feel like more people will know OnePlus than they will Oppo if they had yeah. to choose between yeah. the two. So maybe it just is that's the name of Oppo phones in this country In going forward like that could be one possible future.
0: Mm. The flip side of that is they are throwing money at pushing the Oppo brand in terms of, say, True. sponsorships right now, yes. and, and sponsoring the Wimbledon tennis tournament going on right now has Oppo's name all over it. Uh, they've put a lot of money into the big cricket tournaments. Um, it's the same tactic we've seen um, the Euros going on at the moment. The Euro football tournament has Vivo have. I don't want to think about how much money Vivo has spent to to throw their sponsorship all over every match. Um, they're like, weird one the one huge the sponsorships. Because
2: sponsors I think with the last World Cup as well. Uh, they were sponsoring it, even though the phone that they were pushing, which was one of the next... It wasn't race, on sale
0: here at the time. It was yeah. only
2: in China, I think, at the time. It was very yeah.
0: bizarre. Um, but, you know, th- these things cost a lot, and Oppo has put a lot of money into putting the Oppo name out there tied to sporting events. So I, I question whether they're willing to throw that away, I guess. Um, I think what's more likely is we'll still have the Oppo line, we'll still have the OnePlus... Um, we'll still have Realme. I think they'll become positioned more like a tier. You know, it goes mm. Oppo, then OnePlus, then Realme in terms of premiumness. Um, and probably what will happen is Oxygen OS is going to go away in all but name. We'll still have Oxygen OS, but it will be in the way that we currently have Realme UI. And if you've ever used Realme UI, I'm sorry, it is Color OS. I, I don't know if I could find the differences between them other than the bits where one of them says Realme and the other one says like Oppo or Color, and um, they are. Almost exactly the same, and I think eventually that will happen with oxygen. They'll just slowly roll back the sort of unique OnePlus visual identity um, for for ease, if nothing else. Sad, and and new like, features will look the same.
2: There's like Easter eggs in the OnePlus user experience, I love in oxygen. Yeah. Like if you type in OnePlus in their calculator app and hit equals, it does like a big OnePlus yeah. logo and stuff. It's it's really neat. It's like so it's a pointless but fun detail that gives that brand individuality in its user experience. Mm. um yeah so it'd be a shame to really lose that but uh, that seems to be the way it's going
0: yeah absolutely um and they're still being aggressive in expansion you know the the this new nord is the third nord phone this year after we had three nord phones last year as well we had three nine series flagships this year we're almost certainly getting at least a 9t later this year maybe a 9t pro maybe a 9tr i don't know um and we've got word you know, that they're they're still pushing out headphones and things like that. They've had the watch, they've had the fitness tracker, they've got the TVs. And then this week, we also had the leak that they have trademarked the term OnePlus Pad um, for a tablet. So it now looks a lot like they're going to put an Android tablet out as well with the OnePlus name on, mm. which is just yet more sort of software they've got to support, which, again, you've just got to think they need that Oppo technical support to, to manage this. I mean, off the
2: back of the Realme pad rumours, I wonder how similar those two products are going to be at yes, this point. Yes,
0: <laughs> because I was actually about to say it's funny, It's a funny one because as far as I'm aware, there's no Oppo tablet. And then as I was doing mm. that, I corrected my own thought with, oh, but there is going to be that Realme one yeah. soon. It's strange, um, isn't it? Because I feel yeah.
1: like with tablets, uh, I think we discussed this a while ago, but we were saying like, the popularity of them compared to what they were has, has drops. And maybe, maybe people are just like... I was gonna say they're a bit bored, but like you know, they're just sort of like yeah. looking for something else to like you know breathe yeah. life back into something that I feel has lost a real it, selling point.
0: It is a market that's swinging back around, though. I, we've mm. spoken about this on the show, but I was ready to write off Android tablets, yeah. And all of a sudden, Realme are working on one, OnePlus are working on one, uh, Xiaomi, uh, you know, bringing back their tablet line. There's a lot of rumors around a Mi Pad Five um when it kind of looked like they just stopped making them um samsung has stuck it out they've been making them the whole time and aren't aren't stopping um but yeah it does feel like for whatever reason every chinese oem has collectively decided oh android tablets are a market again well I'm, Um,
2: i'm wondering if it's been just brought about by you know being at home more and so it's actually yeah. going to be arriving, this, this kind of new age of tablet. Android tablets is maybe going to arrive a little too late, as it J- were.
0: Just as the interest wanes again. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know,
2: around yeah. the house, if you wanted to take a screen with you, you probably only had your phone unless you already had a tablet. And around yeah. the house, you don't need to worry about the portability as much. So having a, a slightly larger screen made sense.
0: Well, we could, I suppose we could see a lot of them positioned in terms of productivity and the idea of, you know, I, I know there's been a boom for laptop makers of trying to position it for people who have a laptop that they take into the office and then dock in the office as we're now, you know, so idea of hybrid working models. Um, I could totally see tablet makers being clever about positioning, well, don't yeah. carry a laptop with you every day, mm. you know, carry a tablet with you. It's lighter, it's easier. You can do some work on the train while you go into the office, but you've equally got it as a Netflix machine when you're sitting on sitting at home on the other days of the week students um, as
1: well um yeah like you know always who students don't want, yeah you so. don't want to afford a laptop is something that's a good option and obviously maybe now makes sense because you know things are touch wood starting to open up again so campuses will probably mm-hmm. go back properly soon
0: yep um last one plus thing we do need to talk about is this interesting benchmark fiasco that's come up over the last few days Um, So, for anyone who's not aware, Geekbench, the benchmarking tool that we use in our reviews and, you know, widely used across the industry, uh, they announced this week that they were removing all scores for the OnePlus 9 and the OnePlus 9 Pro because they had identified what they worried was an attempt to cheat their benchmark. Basically, what had been figured out was that on the 9 and the 9 Pro, OnePlus allowed those apps full, like, allowed Geekbench full access to the CPU, and and the performance of the phone, but was throttling performance in other day-to-day apps. So they weren't sort of suggesting that it was, you know, adding any extra oomph to the benchmarking scores, but rather it was somehow being selective and that the benchmarking scores thus did not reflect day-to-day performance because actually in apps like Chrome and a lot of the stuff you'd use every day, you weren't getting full access to the the chipset because they were throttling it. This obviously immediately provoked outrage that OnePlus was you know, cheating benchmarks and we've had you know, scandals around benchmarks before. What was interesting though was OnePlus kind of basically came back and said, well, no, that's not what we're doing. We talked to our fans. And, you know, OnePlus always says it talks to its fans a lot. I love that. Uh, <laughs> and they said that what their fans wanted was better battery life. And that one of the ways they had found to achieve better battery life was that thr- they throttle uh, CPU access on some apps some of the time so that they do not have as, as intense power drain And thus, battery life can be conserved and the phones last longer. Um, Which is interesting. And, and, you know, I I go both ways on this. I think what's funny is that it was not, they have not been transparent about it. It was the same thing. And it's also not optional.
2: With Apple, you know, when the older iPhones were started. Was it? They were throttling as well, weren't they? It was the same thing, really. Mm-hmm. They were throttling to prolong battery life, but they didn't tell users, and there was yep. no setting or anything to indicate that that was happening. It was just, I think, you know, testing revealed that this was clearly what was the case. And yep. then I, I don't know if they got lawsuited for it or whatever, but they definitely got in trouble in a public way.
0: I think there was an EU ruling against something, them, right? But I don't say that with absolute confidence. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is it is essentially the same thing. Um just in a slightly different way. It's funny, I guess, because it's a flagship. It's not like an old phone with dodgy yeah. battery life, and you know, this is their latest all singing, all dancing model where they advertise the power and the performance, and then they are not giving you full access to it.
2: I mean um, in the same vein Realme got in hot water with the GT because yes. and Tutu, they pushed out scores before the phone was even released, and they said this is using, you know, our development hardware of the gt uh the scores up here and then anti-two bought the phone once it came out and tested it and they were like there's no way there's no way we can get this score because it, it was like yeah. markedly higher than anything on the market yeah. it was like a, and, a nut score
0: yeah and it is worth noting this is a different case because what's happened with the oneplus is that actually it's in a way funny geekbench has banned them because the benchmark score is accurate but the question is, does it reflect performance? Like, they haven't cheated that benchmark. That is what the phone is capable of. Yeah. They've just made the phone not capable of delivering that level of performance the rest of the time, or at least a lot of the rest of the time. I don't think it's kind of all apps have this throttling in. Um, th- there are like complications here, though. I think one thing that's worth saying is, you know, I, I reviewed the 9 Pro. I have my problems with that phone. I didn't love it. Uh, performance was never one of the problems, though. Mm. You know, I, I setting aside the benchmarks, which was very strong, but... I never felt the phone was slow. If anything, it notably felt fast. It's the you know the eight eighty eight is an incredibly powerful chipset for a mobile phone, um, and you know I never worried about performance. And as other people have said, like we're now several months into the lifespan of these phones, and no one even realised this was happening. So the throttling can't have been that bad because there weren't people like you know moaning that their nines and nine pros were, were sluggish and yeah. freezing and stuttering and anything like that but people presumably were enjoying the strong battery life they were getting.
1: I think it's maybe a trust thing, you know, like, because it's weird <clears> that they've harkened back to this is what our fans said. And it's like, yes, but surely you could have just been, you know, either done the process as it's meant to be or been transparent before you were called out on it. And, I don't know. Yeah. It's like...
0: Yeah. You just, you just need to say, look, we've realized we've got a great way to prolong battery life. You know here's this optional setting in the phone performance mode or or like you know don't you don't have to call it battery saver mode you already have that it's what kicks in when you're on you know 20 you can find a way to sort of label it as a power mode in the same way that like you know on a windows laptop you have like performance modes and you know more power efficient modes and they could just flag that as an option like hey would you rather prolong your battery life and have a, a phone that's not like as quite as powerful but it's still very fast it's, it's probably most people would say yes yeah but... it's,
2: it's asking for forgiveness rather than permission which yeah. is exactly what apple did and yeah yeah it's just a bit a bit shady when they didn't need to be
0: exactly very odd. um okay we do have to move on we've done a full hour and we still have a whole topic left to go uh so <laughs> I can fire that... through it
2: quick it's
0: just impressions <laughs> Uh, that was our, you know, our OnePlus roundup for the week. We will try and avoid OnePlus next week as best as we can. Uh, but yeah, the, the big thing here is Nord Two is on the way. It will launch on in two weeks on Thursday, the twenty second of July, conveniently just before Fast our Car- uh, Fast Charge airs that day. So tune back here hmm. in two weeks for our immediate impressions of the launch. Uh, finally, today we're going to talk about the Sony Xperia One Mark Three. Uh, which I'll hand over to Toddy because he had the phone but as a reminder this is Sony's flagship for 2021 it was announced a few months ago alongside the 5 mark 3 and the 10 mark 3 but the 1 mark 3 is the top model um, and it's a very expensive model i have to admit we have the pricing we have the release date now uh, toddy i'll leave that hand that over to you then
2: it's yeah it's the mo- with the exception of the Xperia Pro which is a a a tool for commercial use, let's say as a consumer yeah. product, this is their most expensive smartphone ever. It's, uh, £1,199. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one thousand one hundred ninety nine pounds. It's one two nine nine, I think dollars and euros. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, which, which
0: for context in the market puts it basically with the S twenty one Ultra and yeah. the and the, the Xiaomi Mi eleven Ultra. That's the tier they're putting this phone in.
2: Yeah, and it's got Snapdragon eighty eighty eight, which. And 12 gigs of RAM. So it is well endowed with that, with regards to that. Um, the money goes on the camera and the screen, first and foremost, above anything else. They've made some software tweaks and stuff. Um, just as a reminder, though, this is the first time we've had a 4K HDR OLED with 120 hertz. It's that refresh rate, which is the new thing. It's a bonkers display. Yep. Um, And the camera, meanwhile, is interesting because not only is it Sony's, I think, first ever periscope camera, which is you Mm -hmm. can't really see, but it's there. Um, It is a dual focal length periscope camera. So whilst, you know, when you're switching between phones with these periscopes, usually you're just going to the max zoom range of that periscope. And that's where the zoom comes from, from one of the other sensors. What this does is it has two focal lengths. So you're switching to the the, sh- the shorter one, the, the the less zoomed in version, and then you can go even further with the one lens. It's it's solving the same problem as have, having two lenses, two dedicated sensors as on yes. the back of the S21 Ultra, which is a yeah, three so times on... and a 10 times.
0: Exactly. Which is an awkward solution to that problem, but uh, the Sony certainly feels more elegant if it if it works. Uh, what I don't understand
2: is, I mean, maybe there's a, a very specific physical limitation, but it's not round numbers. So, like, you know, the Samsung is, is 3 and 10. This is 2.9 and 4.4. How funny. I don't right. know, Maybe yeah. just, like, because there's like, extra hardware that has to go into that mechanism to make that feature yeah. work, maybe that's the best they could get out of it in a reliable way. And that's fine. It's still a good amount of zoom. Uh, it, yeah.
0: Compared to the, I know, you, you know, with the Samsung, the F21 Ultra is 10 times zoom. And so, you know, you might be thinking, oh, this is nowhere near. So if I'm the Mi 11 Ultra, it, it's five times zoom. Yeah. So this is, this is close to what that's offering, but that doesn't have a second lens. All you get is the five times zoom in terms of zooming. So that this has, it's pretty close to that, plus that flexibility of, of the lower zoom for slightly closer stuff.
1: And in all well, fairness, the... a lot of the critiques of the ten times zoom were, why does anyone need this? <laughs> so yeah,
0: especially
2: when you like technically can push past, even though it's it's all lossy at that point. But to a hundred yes. times, yeah. like it's the dumbest yeah, feature yeah. on that phone for sure. Um, I guess what Sony's done as well, like with that, is that despite having a decent, you know, feature set in the camera department, it's a pretty like the camera bump itself is, n- is nothing that's partly because the the design is kind of more rectangular and slab-sided there's not as like much rounding and there's no curved display for example so they don't have to worry about trying to fit circuitry around corners around excuse me rounding areas um it's all like 90 degree angles, so it's easier to kind of fit components in there but it makes for a really nice design hand feel it is ever so slightly refined over the last one namely in that it's now frosted glass on the pack, and the frame is frosted, so fingerprints are way less of an issue. Uh, so I'd say it looks nicer overall. The periscope makes the lens system a little bit longer, but it's not massive. Um, the biggest—I don't know if biggest—the interesting things I've discovered so far are really in the software. Um, what you know, where as brands like Xiaomi and uh, you know Realme Color OS on Oppo, they give you so much flexibility. Sony has taken a more tentative approach with some of its unique features in terms of how much control you have over them. Um, That stems to like the display, for example. There is just no option. I even went into the developer options. I couldn't find a way to force it to be 4K. So it only, only, Ah. only turns on 4K when it can detect compatible content. Interesting. Yeah, there's no option for that. So I presume right now I'm not looking at a 4K image when I'm just around the UI because that would be too heavy on the battery. You can force refresh rate, um and it also looks like the way they word it in the settings that that is a manual choice so it's 60 or 120 there's no variable which is interesting too not very great not very good i would say i'd prefer like if it can detect high refresh rate content that it switches to that when it needs to Mm -hmm. um i need to test more whether that is the case or not but that's how it seems the way they phrased it in the settings yeah
0: Um, again it's a funny one because it's you just want the options i don't think one setup is better than the no. other but it's weird that they've gone different ways in how they handle resolution versus yeah. refresh rate mm. and really the ideal is that on both of these settings you get a choice of always be hd always be 4k or let the phone decide yeah and the same on refresh always be 60 always be 120 or let the phone decide yeah and you just, just want to give users the more options users get is is better right
2: as long as it's trend, like, translated in a, in a clear and understandable way. Otherwise,
0: it's, it's yes, problematic. True. There actually. is a limit to how many options I want, but I think three on each is, is acceptable. MIUI has some
2: issues in that <laughs> department, I would say. Um, and the other thing is that they, because the camera is such an important part of these phones, they have their camera app, and then they have a camera pro app, and they have a photo pro and a, a cinema pro for the video. That's what they did on the last device. This one, there's just one camera app now, which is for stills. And that gives you a basic mode, which is basically the camera app that most Android phones have. And then you can flip it. So I can't really show you, but there's a little basic icon in the corner. And if I tap mm-hmm. that, you can. it looks like the dial on Sony's uh, alpha cameras. And you can flip it through different modes, including auto and oh, cool. you know, shutter priority, all this stuff. And it, it gives you then the full gamut of controls, um, which is great. So they've consolidated those two apps into ones. But also, that's where the basic video shooting is in the photo app called photo pro and then Mm -hmm. there's still the cinema pro app as a separate app so they've halfway it's yeah just trying to explain this over this podcast medium is confusing without being able to show you the device like yeah yeah that's a messy solution to a problem that they created um and i don't (laughs) know why they didn't just either go whole hog on having just a pro app that just does the pro photo and video or a photo app and a video app or one app that does all of it if they can convey that again in a in a easy to understand way So it's very odd, um, This kind of subtle changes they've made. There are nice things as well, like Game Center or Game Manager, whatever it's called, um, has been improved. Uh, Game Enhancer, um, and it's now got features like uh, like NVIDIA, is it Shadowcast or Shadow, whatever it's called, where you can capture the last 30 seconds of gameplay. Oh, yes, yep. You can just tap that, which is nice, and you can play games at 120 hertz, and it has the power pass-through that Sony's used before, so you're not draining the battery when you're gaming. You can just have power going straight in to just keep the phone running without using battery which is great yeah um and like all those other things that exist already are solid like sony has nailed all of the things it's good at already um and this it, with the exception of these little app things they're just weird mm. weird setting and app things but the hardware behind it all seems excellent um they've also thrown in a uh, for the first time i think you know they're one of the few companies that still does a, a shutter button physical shutter button which is great yes. Uh, It's nulled now, which feels nice to use and it's easier to find out. But they've also added a little button next to the power button, which is also the fingerprint sensor. I don't know if you can see, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a Google Assistant key. I don't think it's programmable. It's a Google Assistant button. I'm not sure why they've done that. Um, It's designed in such a way that it looks and feels very similar to the power button at a glance, which means I often am just waking the Google Assistant without oh, wanting yeah, to. Oh, yeah, that would be me. I had, <laughs> yeah. a,
1: I had a phone that I tested like that, and that was right. me all the time. It's like
2: all the time. It's frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah, but, I am unsure as to why that's that was an addition. But, they there must they be a lot make. of
0: users that love Google Assistant buttons because they must pop up in phones because of, you know, uh, focus groups or, or polling users that, that are fans. Because I can't see why else they would keep getting used because I don't ever seem... They never get praised in the by the press. No, I mean, Nokia. Use, not, I think oh, I has them, never use them. I think
2: Motorola has them on their phones. Um, yeah. You know, all of the Oppo, Realme, like they added the power button to just default to that function.
1: I mean, I can yep. only speak from personal experience, but I feel like my parents and people like that use voice support on phones way more, like to Google something. They will always mm. use voice support. Interesting. I never use right. it. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not a generational thing, but from my own personal experience, I feel it is. But
2: yeah, I rarely actually use the voice on my phone. I love it as a as a smart home thing, but not really as a phone
0: thing. No, the same. Um, I do also, you know, it's also one of those funny things where with Google, at least worse, more so on the Pixel phones, but in general on Android, you know, there are three or four ways to pull the Google Assistant up. Um, but I, I've always, I guess, made more sense of the Google Assistant on cheaper phone, on the, of the button on cheaper phones, where maybe there's an expectation of less tech savvy users who are less likely to find the UI ways they can drag the, the Assistant up and more likely to just realize, oh, I push that button and it happens. Great. Yeah. I find it fascinating to put it on your 1,200 pound flagship, completely oriented at a techie crowd who I feel like will hit that and go, no, you know, I know that I can swipe up from the bottom right and get Google assistant or I can hit the Google, you know, get a shortcut on the home screen or I can do whatever. There's also Sidesense,
2: which is like an adaptive like quick launcher that is just lives on the home screen as well. That's been Mm. a part of Sony software for a while. If I can find it's, a way to change that button, I will. Because, you know, it, it quit launching totally. the Pro Camera, Pro Video app makes more sense to me.
1: Yeah, the, the no. only re- reason I can think, but I, thinking about it, it doesn't even make sense, is like if you're using the phone to take a shot and you don't want to come off whatever you're in, but then it's going to I don't know, no, it doesn't make sense. If you no, went back, yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, It's also a funny one because one of the features Google is baking into Android 12 is to build in the power button as a way of calling up the google assistant yeah you know a long press on the power button which is in a lot of phones already but it's one of the things like you know android 12 is making that a default option across the whole range which again just makes dedicated google assistant buttons less useful because it's we just long press on the power button and it yeah i don't know what that is an option anyway like last of all the times to throw in yeah would have made very odds you would have thought sony would have known this was coming but um you know small complaint but again we've seen this as a thing you know the bixby button on on galaxy phones when that was um you know not reprogrammable the people buying the people dropping this kind of money on the on a phone want the option to tweak things like this yeah um and it's interesting that they don't don't give that
2: i think i think we mentioned it when we you know i think hannah you said you were probably in that episode which i look back was episode 61 of fast charge if you want to go back and listen to that when they first announced (laughs) the phones um it's you know, it, it's the same market that they've appealed to before. They are looking already at diehard oh, Sony yeah. fans and they not fan really base. anyone else. Like they're yep. not too fast, it seems. And that makes sense because they don't have a market share to worry about. It's so small proportionally. Um, what,
0: the one thing that does make this phone kind of interesting now in terms of the comparison to the Ultras in yes. price point is what screen size is, is six this? point you know five twenty one 6.5, 21 by 9. Yeah. So that, compared to the S21 Ultra or the Mi 11 Ultra, is small. I mean, it's not a tiny screen, but it's thin, and it is smaller. They are, I think, 6.8 inches both. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, So I think, actually, there is maybe a little niche for them to find new people, which is people who do have the money to drop on this, who do want that flagship, flagship, premium, ultra, you know, more than a grand, the best display you can get, incredible camera, but they don't want these brick-sized ultra devices that samsung and and xiaomi are are putting out Mm. where you know the current line is if you want to get those top specs you have to buy an absolutely enormous device yeah this Um, feels And sony does buck that a little bit yeah Yeah. this
2: feels way less cumbersome than the uh the s21 ultra which i have around and i use on yeah all the like you know iphone like the the 12 pro max they just feel like unwieldy i feel Mm -hmm. like i can get away with using this one hand without too much fear um i probably would get a case for it if i was using it like taking it outside into the big web world once the we're only, out there yeah. a little bit more <laughs>
1: the only argument i would have against that is like maybe a few months ago i would have agreed with you all but after the whole iphone 12 thing with the mini like not being yeah received well, like... well
0: true but there's, there's a difference between wanting a small phone versus a regular phone yeah and wanting a regular phone versus a giant phone. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, the, the, the Ultras are, I haven't used the S21 Ultra myself, but obviously Toddy has. And I've I've reviewed the Mi 11 Ultra. Mi 11 Ultra feels gargantuan, it especially is. with that camera bump. <laughs> you know, th- these are big, bulky phones. And there's a point where you go, I like this phone, but I really wish it was smaller than this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Sony has sort of. That's addressed kind that. of what the Sony is. Yeah. It is that phone, but smaller, you know. And
2: if it still feels too big, then you get a lot of the camera smarts and stuff. You just don't get the 4K with the in Xperia 5.3, 5 5 which is yep. coming out a little yep. bit later. It, that's, that's also. In September. Yeah, an yeah. interesting development since we last talked about this is just the fact that despite Sony announcing all the phones together, which was a surprise, we were expecting the 5.3 to be. It announced later it's still coming out around the same time as a year on from its predecessor they just told yes. us it was coming way earlier so that was just well, odd
0: i mean the timing here is incredible i i joked about you know right at the beginning of this, today's show i joked about that nokia announcement that they're going to put a flagship out in in november months from now but sony announced these three phones in april and the five mark three is coming out in in september yeah which is five months after they announced it and revealed all the details about it, except its price. Like, they fully had this phone finished and ready to show off, and it's taken them five months to bring the 5 Mark three to, to market. And and the, the 1 Mark three is a four-month gap, you know. We've got it now, but it's not on sale. I think it's on sale in, like, Hong Kong right. and maybe China right now, but that's, that's it. You know, the big Western release is going to be four months after it's unveiling they are asking
2: Um, for the zeitgeist about this phone or the hype about this phone to die down they're like that's that's what this strategy is doing every time absolutely
0: you know by the time it actually launches everyone will have forgotten that it was launching because they would have thought didn't that launch two months ago i read reviews back in june and july like you know a very very odd strategy i mean i'm sure really it's the chip shortage to blame for the delays and things like that but they must have known that in april before they announced it and i don't know why they didn't just hold the announcement Um, It wasn't like there was pressure to hit MWC because they didn't do it at MWC because there was no MWC until June. And in fact, perversely, they could have announced it at MWC in June (laughs) and not had to delay the launch in any way and actually had an announcement at MWC like they normally would and... Then still actually like hit these dates and these dates these launch dates would feel much more sensible. And and this It'd is only a, that.
2: this is only a week on from us talking about the fact that we now know officially there's going to be or is it officially yeah officially there's going to be a new Snapdragon eight 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 chip mm-hmm. like it's coming. Yes, the eight eight
0: eight plus is coming. Yeah.
2: So, like this feels already like oh man, it's behind the curve. Like it already kind of felt that way because so many eight 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 phones were out in the market at this point. Yeah. But, and, and it being the most expensive Sony phone, minus the Pro. Yeah, nuts. Weird.
0: Fascinating. Weird strategy. Classic, classic um, Sony, Sony,
1: if we might say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> They have a niche and they seem to show no interest in expanding that niche and yeah. no interest in following marketing strategies that would sort of help build them out and appeal to more people. Um, very curious. They are sustaining a very small slice of the market worldwide. It's you know, single know digit percentages. With the,
2: with the R&D, um, they must put into the stuff like this camera and this display tech. Are oh, they yeah. turning a profit? I do not know.
0: And obviously, with with LG sadly departing the industry, uh, you know, not so long ago, I think surely all eyes are on Sony now and looking again at this and saying, how long can they keep this up? Yeah. Um, and at, at least with LG, you looked and you thought, LG are trying to build it back up. They were trying to to break back into being a major player, and they were throwing, you know, everything but the kitchen sink at their R and D department to try and find ways to become. A big player in the market again sony you know feels like it's just accepted where it is accepted it's uh, you know three percent market share or whatever it is worldwide and it's just said we're fine with that we'll stay here yeah you know i mean that's still millions of phones um but again with like as you said with the r d costs i don't know if that's profitable or not mm. but uh hey we'll see it clearly wasn't for lg but Uh, That is us for this week, extra long episode. Um, Thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. Uh, Fast Charge will, of course, return next week uh, to talk about anything except OnePlus, and then we will return (laughs) the week after to talk about OnePlus. Normal programming Uh, will
2: resume, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Until then, thank you to everyone, and come back next week. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.